The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. You little turds are going to have to learn you can't run from the ice cream man! Welcome to Subversive City. These films risk-causing harm! They should be burned! I'd like to do any of these two guys at the same time. What? Hell yeah! I don't owe you any book. No more books! Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, Art, here, your wrangler of the weird, purveyor of the peculiar, and Sherpa to the strange and utterly stupid. I cannot wipe this giant shit-eating grin off my face because today we're talking about one of the mother of all sequels, 2013's follow-up to the hit sensation Birdemic. We're talking about Birdemic 2, The Resurrection, with director James Nguyen back in the helm. And to talk about it, coming back for more punishment is Dave. He covered the first one, he's covering the second one. Dave, how are you? I'm doing swell, Art. Thank you very much for inviting me to enjoy such a classic sequel. It was amazing. It knocked the almighty shit off of my socks. I was staring jaw agape the entire time at the majesty of what was happening in this movie. I couldn't believe what I was seeing the entire time. It was great. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, I I recently learned uh, an interesting term from the cinema. So I went and I saw the, the new installation of the Scream series, and I was introduced to the term requel, where that is a reboot sequel. Now, this is clearly, it's Birdemic 2, The Resurrection, it's a, it's a sequel. But it has so many of the similar notes and beats of the first one, I'd almost argue that this is a requel in its own right because we bring back all the legacy characters, but we have a new crop of heroes in our midst. Not all the characters are there, though, unfortunately. Not all. They're, they're, and the reason some aren't there, there's a really good excuse. Uh-oh. But we'll get to that in a second. So we're talking about Birdemic 2. It's, it's a story about old friends and new, talking about making movies, completely unmotivated dolly shots, and even worse, if that's possible, CGI than the first time. It is fucking fantastic. This movie made me smile so much, and I I can't even get my head around it. You know what the story is? It's exactly the same as the first. The difference is, instead of, you know, having Rod, you know, making his money, and then Natalie becoming a model, now we're following this hit director on the rise named Bill, as he's working to make his new movie, he's best friends with Rod, apparently, and it's about Hollywood and conquering Hollywood and also conquering the birds. <laughs> so, it's the same beats. And shit happens, people die, lots of unlimited ammunition, and then the movie stops, credits roll, boom. And it sets the stage perfectly for Birdemic 3, which is currently in fucking post production. So, goddammit, I can't wait. I can't wait to be here for season five of Subversive Cinema reviewing Birdemic 5 after Bear Volcano or some other <laughs> fun, <laughs> crazy animal. Yeah. So so we have Birdemic Shock and Terror, Birdemic the Resurrection, and then we have Birdemic 3 Sea Eagle. And I cannot wait. This is going to be so magical. But 
let's 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 really dive into this. We are here at Subversive Cinema to talk about the weird, wacky, the downright wrong of cinema, and we look at what makes each of them special through their subversive sauce, which the three key ingredients are characters, story, and WTF factor. And we're gonna look at each of those with this. Man, as I said, you you heard the rundown. I, look, I can't explain this movie. You just need to see it. So listen about it here, then come and check it out. By the way, if anybody from the film Birdemic, Birdemic 2, is listening to this, please, for the almighty love of God, email me, subversivecinemashow at gmail. I need to talk to you to understand. <laughs> I just need to know more about this movie. Alan, Whitney, Thomas, any of you, email me. Okay, Dave, let's talk about the characters. Which character stood out to you and why? Well, we're going to start out with our new lead, Bill. Um, yes. First of all, excellent way of introduction, introducing us to Bill. Five minutes and 42 seconds of Bill walking down Sunset yes. Boulevard it's Cinema. The longest credit <laughs> sequence of him just walking throughout Hollywood. We rolled through the entire credits. We don't need to watch the credits at the end because we got them all at the beginning. It was we great. <laughs> and I actually did the math it, you know there was such a long time so i went on to my google maps he started off at hollywood and vine and yep. then he was going to the happy endings which unfortunately permanently closed yep it's closed it's it became something else after this because uh this was in my neighborhood when they were filming this so this is a personal tragedy to me that i missed this filming because i went to all these places which i'll talk about later but continue <laughs> so it's a. Uh... 1.2 miles and Google Maps says you can walk it in eight minutes. So uh, Bill did it in three less than three minutes faster than Google Maps. So good job, Bill. Yeah, well, he is a svelte dude. He's he's really trucking along, as you can yeah. see during his sensual sex scene, which also featured a sound guy in the mirror, as well as a dolly rig in the background. <laughs> so, um, okay, but this is that's going to get to something I I'll talk about when we get to WTF. So I just want to say that uh, I love that this movie, since we're still talking about Bill, it started just as the first one did with a restaurant scene and a waitress opening it up. Hello. <laughs> Let's see how the very first uh, exchange of the film goes. Hi. Hi. I have to call out that you hear the hubbub of a busy restaurant and it's only these two people in it. <laughs> That was a common theme throughout all the, like, crowd, non-crowd scenes. Yes. But, it I was... mean, that was almost six minutes of, like, almost no talking whatsoever. I thought I was watching Wally -E for a bit. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's fantastic. And... <laughs> I... <laughs> Yeah, so it starts out, he sits down in this place, and then he is served by Gloria. That's her name, right? Yes, Gloria. That's the, yes. the chick in the beginning. Played by Chelsea Turnbow, who I believe has only done a few things. Uh, she did a couple little bit parts in some movies. Well, let's talk about Bill. I like that Bill has had two credits to his name. He started out with Birdemic 2, followed by Kittens in a Cage, where he played a background actor. We bring back many fan favorites. We bring back Rick Camp as Dr. Jones, who I don't remember him from the first one, honestly. I mean, he's not the crazy bird guy who talked to them on the well, beach, no. right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I thought he was the guy on the. He was also on a bridge. On or, or, I mean, that's what I meant on the bridge. I thought it was somebody else because he. I thought he just sounded different. But um, yeah, no, he yeah, he was on the bridge in the first one, and he's wow. on the bridge in the second one. Ah, there you go. Definitely not with our <laughs> set of. Oh uh, yes, no, you never that. see them in the same shot. No. So, uh, you know what? I. Uh... <laughs> Oh, sorry, I'm gonna to get to him soon enough. There's just too many favorites. You know, I'm just gonna call it right now. The homage to Jaws, except with a jumbo giant. Uh, I can't fucking talk. A jumbo giant jellyfish? Is that what they called it? Yeah, I, that was seriously amazing. Yes, that woman right here is is I gotta call her out. Are you okay? What stung you? What stung you? Something stung me. What stung you? A jellyfish. A jellyfish? Yes, a giant jumbo jellyfish. Hurry, somebody call the ambulance. Call 911. Don't worry, miss. We're gonna get help. Oh, and my second actor I want to call out, or second character, is the 911 responder who is clearly the script supervisor or someone off camera oh, actually shouting the line. They don't have a supervisor lines. on this thing, do they? That, well, I don't know. I didn't look at the credits that closely. But either way, the person's voice, they're literally standing off camera. They didn't dub it in. You just hear her talking off to the side. Please, we yeah. need an ambulance now. A woman has been stung on the beach. What happened to her? I don't know. Something about a giant jumbo jellyfish. Please, we need an ambulance now. Where are you located? On the Santa Monica Beach near the pier. They're on their way now. Okay, thank you. Oh my god, this movie's got me so tuned up. I don't even know how to slow down. <laughs> There's so many things. But like and then jellyfish actress disappears. She disappears apparently into the CG ambulance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the sea first I love that she's swimming underwater. She's bone dry and it's like with the CG backdrop and then this piss poor CG jellyfish like kind of man of war looking thing comes up and and tickles her and then next thing you know she's in a cg <laughs> ambulance the the use of cg in this movie is so wonderful you, you see it again with the the with fred and wilma that's what i call the cave people who are who are fucking in the woods when the birds first attack in the flashback <laughs> and they're in a cg woods it looks like a video game or a computer game from 1997 where they would just put in actors over a cg world I can't stop. Oh, look, here's Mr. Birdman. Here he is. As a matter of fact, um, many uh, prehistoric eagles and vultures actually died and fell into the tar. And some actually flew in, got stuck, and drowned and died. As a matter of fact, La Brea means the tar in English. But what's really fascinating about this tar is not only does it totally preserve the bird skeleton, but it also preserves the blood vessels and the DNA. Wow, the more you know. And also the more you read the script, the more you'll know your lines and you won't have to keep adding filler words in like, uh. I mean, he was, look he was looking off camera. You could see his eyes moving. Yeah, I mean, cue cards for sure, right? Yeah. Uh, if my favorite line is, La Brea means the tar in English. Yes. <laughs> Oh, and you know what I love? They brought back Natalie's mother, a.k.a. the woman yeah. who's her grandmother, apparently, Nancy. They brought back Patsy Van Ettinger as Nancy. For one scene, she comes into the bar, and this was... There was another episode that I've done earlier on Neil Breen. I'm doing Neil Breen throughout this season. 
And in the very first one we talked about how I, I mentioned that there's one moment in that movie where everything is so wooden and stilted that there's actually a moment of truth. And it happens when you can clearly tell that Neil just told a couple actresses to talk to each other about whatever before the scene starts. So they're genuinely speaking to each other and you can hear it because next thing you know starts the bad wooden acting. In her scene, at the very end is the only moment of truth in this movie. After all this hullabaloo of fucking up lines and, and talking about a gin and tonic or however, you know, Natalie screwed up the line, they sit down, they murmur a bit, and then Nancy just says, well, shit. And everybody starts laughing. And it is the most true moment in the entire fucking film. It's wonderful. So can I go back to Bill real quick? Of course. We, uh, we have to keep going back to Bill because Bill always brings it back to himself. So why not? Uh, did you get any Harvey Weinstein vibes? Oh, yeah, a little bit with that, that <laughs> hey, why don't we uh, celebrate with lunch? And then getting in the car. And then, oh, by the way, that car ride, when it would just cut seamlessly from <laughs> the sunglasses and then cutting seamlessly from being on the road to a clear green screen. And then she's like, you know, trying to be like hey you're not gonna you know this isn't a pickup or anything next thing you know she's putting the moves on him because they're driving his top-down bmw hey you know the budget for this one was a lot better than the uh mustang that they got in the first so it, it was now they say the budget is estimated at 300 grand first of all i have to call bullshit because i want to know where that money went the only thing i can imagine they spent money on would be on permits and the security required for these permits for all these filming locations because this film was straight up just a reason for James Nguyen to film on every single space that he ever liked in LA. Filmed on the Universal Backlot, he films in all these restaurants, he films at the La Brea Tar Pits, he films everywhere downtown LA and he's clearly, you know, they're running around with guns. It's not like they're, they're just stealing these shots. They clearly paid for this. So that's the only reason I could explain that it would cost as much as it does. Other than that, it makes no damn sense at all. I, I had three characters I wanted to talk about. Please. Bill, Dr. Yes. Jones, and Jellyfish Actress. I put oh, we at. nailed them all. Look at that. All right. we're Dude, we're, we're cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, we got we to gotta throw some love back at, at our boy Rod, though, because, you know, he just... He just came out of the cut, and he's here to save Bill's movie career. You know, maybe Sunset Dreams will be your comeback movie. Oh, I'm betting on it. You know, I don't know too much about the movie business, but I know how to read, and I like your story. I'm glad you like it. You know, my favorite movies about Hollywood are Sunset Boulevard and The Star is Born. But these are two movies made from the studios. There's never been a movie made from the indie perspective. Okay, that's enough out of you, Bill. We're just going to go on and pontificate about Hollywood films again. One more, one more duo I do need to talk about. Yes. The other movie producers. Oh, the ones, uh, oh, the, you talk about Where the ones are that are making boobs? Flashland <laughs> 5 with all the boobs? Yes. Yes. The, uh, those two were amazing. You know, yes. Oh, yes. we're going to write a million dollar check because we believe in you all of a sudden. Uh, I actually, I like how it's literally after fighting for life and death, right, in the midst of all this turmoil, that this exchange happens. Strange and weird things are happening in the environment right now. Guys, can we just change the subject? 
Jaws happens to be one of my favorite movies. Are you really worried about the movies right now? Yeah, seriously. Why not? I mean, the birds are attacking us. I feel like I'm in a movie. <clears throat> in fact, my next script will be about birds attacking Hollywood. Great idea. Hey, will you cast me in it? Yeah, me too. I can direct it. Sure, if you can find a producer to option my script. My best friend Rod here, he's the executive producer of Sunset Dreams. I'm sure he'd love to take a look at your script. Yeah, that's a great idea of turning this bird's attack into a movie. You know what? It could be just as big as the Jaws franchise. Yeah. Or maybe as big as Saw or Paranormal Activity franchise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, hold on a second. All right. Um, wow. Not Star a... Wars. Not no, no. Marvel franchise. Paranormal Activity or Saw. <laughs> this scene has a couple things. One, it I'll, I'll say it very, very accurately depicts actors. <laughs> And anybody in Hollywood. As soon as one motherfucker is like, well, I do this. Really? Well, can you cast me? Oh, me too. Hey, I'll be, I'll direct it. It's like literally one person mentions an option and everybody piles on like a puppy pile. The other thing I find hilarious is that the blocking for this makes no damn sense. Billy keeps looking off to the side of the camera, like off camera. Nobody's there. Everybody's directly across from him. So who the fuck is he looking at? It's just the eye lines are all over the place, and this scene is so ridiculous. It's magical, but those two guys are wonderful. So when Will said, you know, I, I've i got a script, and or what did he say? It's something to that degree. I thought, oh, is that James, actually? I know, right? <laughs> so I had to quickly go on IMDb and be like, did James cast himself? No. And, no he, 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 did as, he did as a bit part. And it's such a hard thing to find because he's billed as the Artur walking out of the Asian restaurant or something like that. Um, so yeah. I didn't see him. Okay. But, uh, you know, I need... The, yeah, Artur walking out of Vietnamese restaurant. That's what it is. So I'm guessing it's the, the pho restaurant that they yeah. go to, uh, which I've been to, and it actually is quite tasty. I don't know if it's still there. Oh, there he is. I could see him. There's James Nguyen. Walking right out, he's uh, yeah, he's he's strutting. Also, I really loved how much they blurred out of this film. Oh yeah, <laughs> blurring faces, phone numbers, pictures, license, license plates. plates. It really adds a re a very subtle, subtle aesthetic <laughs> to the entire to the entire picture. Any other characters other than the the ones? I mean, we've hit a lot of the classic ones here. Yeah, I think that's uh. Oh shit! How can we forget? Fucking Tony, the kid from the first movie. My favorite line, my adopted son. Now, yes. <laughs> I, I swear, if I ever adopt a child, I'm not going to say my adopted child. I'm going to say, this is my son. This is my daughter. I'm not going to be like, this is my adopted daughter. I think, I guess they needed to clarify because the kid's like in his, he's like a teen or he's like 12 or 13 at this point. But my favorite line, it's when he explains why the girl from the first movie isn't here. Real old. Real old. I wish Susan could have been here to see this bird skeleton. But she got a disease from that fish that Rod cooked. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Rod killed the girl. With the fish he cooked in the first movie. 
how I didn't put that together. It's amazing. Oh, oh, that's fantastic. I'm I'm crying right now. This is so good. So good. And what I really love is for an adopted son, he just disappears right the fuck off after the tar pit scene. They're running around Los Angeles fighting with, you know, filming gear and guns and the kids nowhere to be found. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> so we, yeah, we love Tony. Okay. Characters are great. Lots of them. They're wonderful. Story, Dave. So did the story make any sense to you? No. Yeah, me neither. No fucking idea. No idea. Just like the first one, we go through almost half the movie, if not more, with zero birds. 42 minutes. Yes. And it's funny because IMDb lists this movie as 90 minutes. Bullshit. This movie is all of 79 minutes long. 79 minutes with five minutes of credits at the beginning, five minutes of credits at the end. Yes, yes. If you do the math, you'll see that this movie is uh, not a lot of movie. And they do a wonderful trick that I always like where they reuse footage <laughs> a couple times. Oh, yeah. Just really pad out that runtime. How many times did we see that happy ending sign? I know, the happy... I felt like they must have said, look, I'll give you a good rate if you just show her a sign a bunch of times, <laughs> you know? So the story is, again... We're introduced to, to Bill, who's out here in Hollywood as some up-and-coming director that, you know, I don't know, I guess he still goes to the shitty bars and, you know, hangs out and he's still having trouble getting money for his movies. So he goes to his million or billionaire friend, because I forgot how much money Rod made last time in the first movie, to fund his stuff. Now, uh, you know, Rod and Natalie are an item. Bill picks up this uh, waitress to uh, come and audition. He has a liking for her, casts her as the lead. And then he starts banging her. And then we just are introduced to this rolling cavalcade of old characters as the film progresses through a bunch of nonsense talking about movies and how to make movies until the fucking birds show up at, as Dave said, the 42-minute mark. And that is when the sky rains red. And this red rain awakens all the birds from the tar pits. And they come up, as do the corpses of the cave people. Birds and cave people are running amok. And that's when the fun starts, and we also are treated to more movie talk, and then there's zombies, because why not? And um, a lot of people die, and then we're at the end. So this movie made no fucking sense. So again, if you've listened this long, Alan, and you're still there, please email me. I need to understand why. <laughs> so, story was, uh, yeah, it's okay. But I'll tell you what, by merit of it not making sense, makes it even more brilliant. And it makes it that much more subversive for me. Because I had no idea what was going to happen. <laughs> Ever. Okay. Oh, oh no, please, Dave. I will take no. a rebuttal. Uh, uh, well, we'll get to it when we rank the film. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's get to the big one then. WTF. What part of this movie doesn't go what the fuck? It's probably faster to list the things that are more normal and accepted than the things that make no damn sense. So I think the things that do make sense are the call-outs to the first, because I think this film was definitely made knowing that the first got the honest trailer. It got, you know, so many, so much notoriety for being so bad. Yeah. Um, when the birds finally do appear, they crash the movie set. And the first thing that I heard was grab a hanger. Yes. That just, that just brought out all the birdemic joy in me. It, it uh, brought it up to me too. 
you know, bringing out the mom, bringing out the adopted son, all the characters from the first, you know. Well, let's not forget about this guy and this interlude. <laughs> we got the singer from the first one back to sing oh, his new hit, Starbright! It's the same dude! Oh. <laughs> Again, no band behind him, but... No band behind him, but I'll say what? The, I'll say this. The lip-syncing this time, significantly more improved than the last time. And he didn't have backup singers this time. He did not have backup tracks. singers. But it's funny because they do, at the end of the, the thumpin' jumpin' song... Then they cut to him actually singing live, and the audio quality is significantly different. In the shittiest club that's ever been made, it's just plain-ass red walls <laughs> with a concrete floor and with a giant water pipe running behind the stage. But the choreography was lit. Oh, I'll tell you what. Natalie was cutting this shit up. She was there twerking. And then when you got the two bros dancing off together, doing, you know, the, the, the ankle the ankle and the <laughs> wrist lock. And then they do the, the flip over each other's back. Oh, my God. What the hell? I, I can totally understand why the entire club paid attention to just them dancing. Oh, I yes. I would have. <laughs> Oh, and then right after that, we're followed up by a certainly much more risque uh, scene of, of leading towards intimacy than we had in the first movie, yet still pretty tame. You know, you got Bill and Gloria making out in a hotel room that looks very similar to the one that they used last time. And they use the same footage of her coming down on the bed at least two or three times. And that's when we are treated to a quick pan over and we see, not only do we see part of the microphone that's on the camera sticking in the frame in the upper right corner, we see their dolly rig where the suitcase rack is in the closet. And then we have the sound guy just kind of hanging loose in the back, just pointing his mic at him. I have to call shenanigans on this WTF. None of this movie sounded like it was shot with a microphone. That was a boom. All of it sound like it was done with on-camera microphones. There's always room tone and echo. I think he's just there for show. And this is something I wanted to point out and ask you, Dave. I wonder how much of this movie was done very much wink-wink, nudge-nudge, as opposed to being the pure, pristine, innocent fuck-up that the first movie was. How much of this do you think was engineered? Because there's no way that you put a sound guy directly across from a mirror and film that and not notice. Like, I feel like there's moments like this that they, he went above and beyond to fill the expectation of what a Birdemic movie is, and he did it on purpose instead of on, by accident like the first one. So I, I did not see the sound guy. You ser You didn't? Oh, my God. He's... No. <laughs> okay, but next time you see... watch it, 42 minutes and 7 seconds. He's right there. <laughs> So, but I did see in the BMW scene, the they must have been filming in the back of a Jeep or something. Oh, you saw the spare tire? And sometimes you'll see hair fluttering in front of the camera. I saw that once or twice during those shots. Yeah, it's just, it, it, I don't know. I mean, 
I I don't have that much faith in it. <laughs> <laughs> you you mean don't have that much faith that they would have the the presence of mind to do it on purpose? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think it's just bad. <laughs> I would like to think so. Now, again, I don't know if you might not be familiar with Neil Breen, but one of my big things with Breen was he had that very Birdemic-y feel in his early works, but as he got more notoriety, more popular, his movies became more Breen-like, and that just felt ingenuine to me. Just like, um, you know, I know it was directed by somebody else, but if you look at Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero after they did The Room, then they went off and did this mega movie, Best Friends or Best Fiends, whatever you want to call it because of the way it was spelled. And that just, again, felt like they were trying to capture some of that essence, but they couldn't, you know, because it was, it was being put on. So I don't know. I mean, there was enough of this that felt genuine as far as their poor choices. I think we'll have to see when Birdemic 3 comes out. Well, we will. We'll have to see if he tries to up the ante. But, I mean, man, the I'll say that the sound quality is just as for shit. The camera work is just as uninspired and hysterical. And heaven knows that there's zero understanding of of cinematography lines and, and how you structure a scene because they just shoot in any direction they want. I love it. It's fantastic. And you know what the movie I want to see is? Sunset Dreams. Oh yeah. That's the movie I want to see. That'll be the fourth movie. <laughs> this is this is the only taste we get of the movie within the movie. <laughs> and action. To love somebody is to want to be with that person. Forever. Forever. And cut. That was good. <laughs> I love that somebody's like dropping shit in the background and they're like, yeah, it's fine, we'll just go ahead and use that take anyway. The same line as the audition, too. I love it. <laughs> it is the exact same line. And of course, since we are in the movie studio, I would be remiss if I didn't highlight the uh, sequence that takes place on the soundstage next door for Slasher House or Slasher Land or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, part five. And that sounds a bit like this. I have a crush on him. I do. What are you going to wear? I'm not too sure yet. I was thinking about borrowing something from you. Oh, man. Well, you know what? I'm gonna borrow you! And that's just how it goes. It's a man running around with a butcher knife in a locker room. And there are boobs, yes. My favorite thing after that, so, spoiler alert, the girls die. All of them. All of them. And the amount of time the guys diagnose the girls being dead is far more than the time they spent diagnosing their friends from their own movie who just got slaughtered. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) It's like, let me take a look at her throat and check her aorta. And nope, I don't feel a pulse, but boobs. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I, I love that happens in this movie, and I feel like... This is, again, a product of trying to pad out the runtime. One angle will have dialogue of the scene go to a certain point. Then the next angle almost steps back in time, so they repeat the end dialogue a second time and move the scene forward, like it happened on the beach. What's wrong? I was stung. They go for the close-up. What's wrong? I was stung. (laughs) And this happens over and over and over again. And in this scene, they talk about so-and-so's dead, Three or four times. 
it's amazing how often this happens throughout the movies just to keep it going oh man i <laughs> there's there's a lot going on i'm glad the birds are back to explode although they don't explode as often as they did in the first one there's not as much of that but what we are introduced to now is bird vision where we get that that pov shot where there's like this sort of it looks like tree branches or i guess like eye capillaries and we just watch the birds attack and you get to see alan bag throw some gnarly back kicks and, and flying roundhouses at birds because that's how you attack them so let's see uh what other fun things do we have i mean there's so many things to pick from with this i i love the zombies do we want to talk about the zombies and what that was all about do you think this is just their their attempt to capitalize on a little walking dead action or do they just want to have that cool shot where you have your group of heroes all wearing the same color shirt only different shades of green oh that's something i wanted to talk about the costuming <laughs> yes i'm so, you think there was a, a purpose behind this or so so the costuming i noticed this um the costuming of the day must have been coming the bus button down with untucked jeans yes bill and rod they wore the exact same thing and then uh cargo shorts with uh a deep cut v-neck they both wore the exact same thing again it's like there is no like differentiation between characters and what they wear they are exactly the same thing i think the that that, that might be their way of trying to pass the baton from rod to bill they're saying uh, you sir get to carry the franchise but we'll see if he's in the next movie <laughs> so on this uh back to the guns one other comment with the guns uh, oh yes i do really appreciate that they put the cheat code in for unlimited ammo yes they did Yet they again. found they found the cheat code a b a c a b b or up up out yep. uh, was it up up down down left right left right start select or something you don't know the konami code it's not it up up down down left right left right a b start a b a b select start ah well mm. this is why i fail but yes yep. they did they did enter that um <laughs> let's have a little sample of how some of this uh goes when they start opening fire Way to use the cheat code, I tell you. There's uh, more not unlimited walking ammo. around with magazines down to their angles, guys. I'm it's guessing just... <laughs> if they would take the moment to reload, but instead, <laughs> they have more ammo than they did in the Curse of the Komodo, and that was a lot of ammo that they used. <sighs> yeah. Okay, by the way, who conducts a meeting the way that the investors they're courting in the beginning do with this sort of thing? Bill, Sunset Dreams... It's a good story. It's a unique story about the struggle to make it in Hollywood as an actor, as a director, as a producer. However, it's a risky investment. And uh, I think we'd be a little crazy to invest in the film. But you paid your dues. And I think Sunset Dreams could be your big comeback movie in Hollywood. You know, the few minor strip revisions. I think Sunset Dreams is going to be a big hit. So, uh, 
we decided to invest one million dollars in your movie. <laughs> We have we have not just high fives, but we have air high fives. This is a theme, air high fives. And also I love that Bill and Rod are never in sync. One guy thinks they're going to shake hands or high five. The other guy thinks they're going to hug. Then they do the awkward shimmy shift, and then they just sort of collide together. From the very first meeting to this wonderful result, it's the, the tone of this is so all over the place. And then you have fucking Bill... Shouting like he's Rudy at the end after he made a touchdown. He's shaking his fist in the air, looking around the room at the audience. There's nobody there, by the way. He's just looking around the room like a fucking lunatic. This is fantastic. As he's just clapping and cheering. I have to say, at least James Nguyen had a little bit of restraint in this film with the amount of applause in a scene because if we remember the last time the applause went on for what about a minute minute and a half almost yeah. at least here it stopped but there were after... more characters applauding so that's true you we have had to... to fit them all in frame for 30 seconds <laughs> yes you have to prove that everybody's actually doing the thing you can't just have that happen uh is it's <laughs> the, the wtf on this is it's off it... the charts man this yeah. is this is constant everything about it it's it's so funny. I mean, James Nguyen really tips his hand in his adoration for old Hollywood and his just his desire to contribute as much as Hitchcock and Billy Wilder and all these guys did. But instead, he's just, you know, making Birdemic. It's a love letter to old Hollywood doing the best he can through the Birdemic lens he has. It's a hell of a face you're making there, Dave. Yeah, I'm uh, just IMDb surfing and uh, realize he uh, wrote another movie as well. So uh, I guess we'll have to do that for season three. No. All right. <laughs> oh, you mean Julian Jack? Yes. That one looks utterly insufferable, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> and that was made seven years before Birdemic. So he had seven years more experience to bring the magic of Birdemic to the screen. So just think about that for a little bit. Think about what that. What an IMDb score on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. I'll talk about the the overall... There's so many people from Birdemic in it. I oh, But dude, he keeps a stable. Now, do you think it's fair that they would go ahead and, and give Birdemic 2 a 1.6 out of 10 compared to Birdemic 1's 1.8? I think that's just that's just rude. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay, all right. Look, there's a, the whole movie's a big giant WTF with a entero bang after it. Let's talk about the nitty gritty, Dave. As we uh, alluded earlier, what is the score here, man? How saucy and subversive do you put this movie at? Because I know what I, I what I'm rating it, but I want to know about you. All right, I gave Birdemic Shock and Terror four yeah. out of ten. Sorry, this is only going down to two. Oh, see, I'm going the exact opposite. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to call this. This is like a fucking hard like eight. <laughs> because, what? Like a, a, a talking cat where things are just 
ridiculous, but it just sort of keeps going in a way that you expect it. That that got it too, but this movie, every fucking turn, it makes no sense. So what I'll give you, because this is a uh, democracy here, well, I'll meet you in the middle, I'll average the two, and we'll give it a five. That's what I I disagree. Uh, You can disagree (laughs) as much as... I am not budging. You don't have to budge. That's right. You person... know, it's my show anyway. You know, you had a podcast, Dave. You knew what this was. <laughs> so there you have it. Birdemic. It's awesome. Birdemic 2, The Resurrection. You can watch it now at Fear Factory with Amazon Prime Video Channels on Pluto TV or 2B TV. Or I'm sure you can find it on disc somewhere. But uh, that's I have where you problems can... with Pluto TV personally. I had to use Tubi, so Tubi it is. Use Tubi; it's a free service. Ain't nothing wrong with that. It was a uh, great, you know. Sometimes I was so happy for the commercial breaks in between. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness, Neat. decent acting for once. Oh, look at that! So you prefer the commercial acting? That's <laughs> solid. <laughs> uh. I give oh the my commercials God. three subversive sauces. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Dave, thank you for putting yourself through Birdemic 2 to uh, be here with me. It's been super fun. And uh, until next time, man. Until next time. Stay subversive. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out, too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.